This is Josh Mills. And this is John Mills. Welcome back to another episode of Acquired Tastings. We are excited that you guys are here with us today for a liquor episode. And this this liquor episode, we are doing orange liqueurs. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's going to be pretty exciting. So, Dad, what you doing? So, I'm, I'm going to do Grand Marnier, Josh. What are you doing? I'm doing Salerno Blood Orange Liqueur. Oh, it must be good. Yeah, what are your snacks you're doing? Oh, my snacks are chicken apple pate. French onion soup and a cranberry orange walnut muffin. Ooh, that sounds good. Oh, they all sound good, but but you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So and then for me, I'm doing some Gus's world famous fried chicken. We're doing a chocolate creme brulee, and then we're gonna do a cafe correcto, uh, which is espresso and liquor. So mm. it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting one as we uh as we move forward. Mexican coffee? No, it's Irish Irish coffee? No. It's Italian. Okay, I had this one more th- guess, but you beat me to it. <laughs> yeah. No, this is the this is the Italian alcoholic coffee basically. All right. It's going to be it's going to be a good one. I'm I'm really excited. So, last week was our beer episode with our foreign beers. So, dad, we blinded last week. Do you remember kind of what what you thought it was? Yes. I was getting weirded out with salt. I kept saying it several times. I don't know if you noticed that. Mm-hmm. And then it didn't have a whole lot of foam on it, and so we shook it up a little bit, and then I started getting some smells, and I got some nut. So I ended up saying, this has to be a nut brown, because I actually X'd out stouts and porters. It it didn't have a whole lot of mouthfeel, but that's that's what I said it was, a nut brown. So what was it, Josh? It was Samuel Smith's Oatmeal Stout. Oh, man. You were close. Well, but not close enough, I don't think. It didn't seem like the sweetness of it didn't seem like it was sweet enough, actually, to be an oatmeal stout. And the mouth heaviness on my palate didn't feel like it should be a stout so that's what happened and that's my excuse and i'm sticking to it (laughs) all right but no it's a good guess i mean it's a it's a really good beer it is a little bit on the lighter style when it comes to oatmeal stouts so i can totally see where you were getting the the nut brown the nut brown idea from there okay do you remember i was talking about a book too in the middle of the episode i remember but i can't remember the book title well i didn't remember the book title and so the name of the book is the logger queen of minnesota and it's a pretty good read yeah and like i said you know she had to work hard to get her beer good enough (laughs) yeah definitely so Who's going to go first? You going first, Josh? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and go first with the Salerno. And um, once again, my food that we're doing with this is I have some espresso that we're going to make a Cafe Correcto with. I have some Gus's World Famous Fried Chicken. And then we have a chocolate creme brulee. All right. Now, Josh, this is the clearest liquor I've seen since we did that that moonshine. Yeah. Or maybe that peppermint schnapps that right. I blinded you on. Mm-hmm. But clearly, it's not either one of those. No, because it's... all you have to do is get your nose closed and take a little breath in. And you get the orange, orange flavor smell instantly. Right. So a lot of the liqueurs that you have that are made start out, they distill clear. As we know, as we've talked about Almost everything, every liquor is just when it's distilled, it's distilled clear. Yeah, it comes comes out out clear. clear. Yeah, absolutely. So, this one, like we've talked about a little bit before, because I've talked about it with my margarita, is a blood orange liqueur. So, they, so this comes from Italy. And they cheat a little bit because they make the bottle orange or, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you'll notice in the, it it was weird the first time I did it because, you know, this is from Italy. It's from Sicily. So if you're not quite a big geography person, Sicily is the football that the boot is kicking. Yeah. So it's the island that's off the toe of the of Italy. And in that area, they have a volcano called Mount Etna. Okay. 
and Mount Edna has a great volcanic soil where this blood orange comes from. And so they use the blood oranges in their mash to, that they distill to make this liquor. It comes in a beautiful golden, burnt red orange bottle. Yeah, that's that, what I was saying. That actually looks like, the bottom of it, they've kind of tricked you, it kind of looks like a citrus reamer. Yeah, I see that. It's, yeah. So it's a nod It's a nod to... I hope you got like, a real good picture of it for the... Yeah. Yeah, it's a, no, it's a nod to the glassmaker, the Moreno glassmakers of Italy. Yeah. And like you said, this is water clear, and it smells of that beautiful, beautiful orange. Now, you do get a little bit of that hot alcohol smell as well, or at yeah, least I do. I do. Yeah. But when you taste it, it's... Super rich and Have super you already sweet. Tasted it? Well, I tasted it earlier today. Oh, okay. But it's really, really sweet. Like it's syrupy sweet. Oh, it is. And it has that really thick kind of syrup feeling. But when you look at the legs and the Glenclaren glass, mm-hmm. it doesn't look like really thick legs like syrup would make or molasses would make. Right. So it's sort of another trick. And they're not really big, but if you notice, they're really slow. I did see that. So when you notice that they're really slow, you'll notice that it's a higher alcohol and yeah. the viscosity of it. Legs is one of those things when it comes to blinding that, like you just said, it can trick you. Mm-hmm. It really kind of, the big thing it tells you is the viscosity of it. And also it can tell you kind of help you understand alcohol content a little bit. Well, I'm guessing it's maybe 43 to 45%. Yeah, so this is, it's 40%. 40? Yep, it's only only 40%. I thought it was going to be more than that. Another trick. So, this is something that, this is a liqueur that's actually not drunk neat very often. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, there wasn't a whole lot of information that I could find on it. And because of that it made figuring out the pairings really difficult yeah because it's so sweet it's so it has that like alcohol bite bitter and it's not really something that i would say is i wouldn't pick to pour this just on a hot day or even on a cold day just to drink i would i use this in cocktails and it's used in cocktails all over the world i'm sure it is one of the things that they say to mix it with is just club soda Mm-hmm. So just sparkling water and just, you know, kind of make a tall boy or take, make a highball mm-hmm. using this. Do they mention a uh, sidecar? Cause they don't. I know that your sidecars are world famous. Yeah. I don't know if they're world famous. I don't know if our, any well, of our international I know listeners. Joanne, she wasn't outside the world or outside the United States, but she was in Florida and somebody made sidecars with your recipe. Yeah. Wasn't it? Wasn't it Becky? Of course. Yeah, it was Becky, one of our one of our longtime listeners. So because of that, I had to think really kind of outside the box when it came to the pairings. So I knew it's sweet, and we've talked about what goes with sweet is heat and mm-hmm. fat. Mm-hmm. So that's why we have the chicken. And then the chocolate, chocolate and orange is just a match made in heaven. But I want to start with the espresso. Oh, really? Okay. So, yeah, I was gonna, about reaching for the chicken, man. Well, we're going to start with the espresso. I'm getting hungry. And then we're going to finish with the espresso. So we're going to start and finish with the espresso? Because what we're going to do first is we're just going to try the espresso and then have some of this. And at the end, we're going to make what's called a cafe correcto. So this is good espresso from um, the local shop here called Milo. Oh, yeah, Milo. And they actually roast their own. So this is just a double shot of their espresso. No sugar, no nothing into it. And so the play on this one is the bitterness. Okay. Espresso can be really bitter. Go Mm -hmm. Go ahead and try while I'm talking. All right. It can be really bitter. Oh, it smells good, I tell you. But you also have a lot of those like roasty, roasty notes in it, which I think is going to go well and play off of the Salerno. It's got a lot of bitter. Unfortunately, it cooled off a little while we were sitting here setting up. Yeah, but it's bitter. It's like kind of coating, but you have that nice kind of roasty bitterness to it. Now, this espresso sort of reminds me of last week's beer, that Instook toasted porter yeah because it had it had coffee in it but it wasn't this bitter right and that's that sweetness of the beer mm-hmm. the beer side of it now go ahead and take a taste of the salerno and yeah. tell me tell me what you think about it okay after 
Yeah, you've had a sip of the you've had right. a sip of the coffee. Okay. Now have a sip of the Yeah, my mouth is coated with the coffee mm-hmm. and the bitterness. Bitterness gone. Yeah. And gone. The, and the bitterness sweetness that, up. Bitterness gone. Coffee's gone. See, I still have some of that kind of roastiness that's going with the orange. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a sweet orange. Or kind of you know, I've seen people like squeeze lemon into espresso. Oh, okay. And so I I kind of get that. You're right. It is kind of like one definitely, they don't play very well together. They kind of argue back and forth, Mm -hmm. I think. This is not a like and like pairing. Oh, no. Of course not. This is 100% opposites. Yeah. This is some bass notes, man. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, and don't drink all of it because remember, we're going to use some of it at the end. So technically, when we're talking about this Salerno, and while I'm talking about this, go ahead and start diving into the chicken. Wait a minute. I thought we were going to mix. That's going to come at the end. Oh. After, like as a dessert kind of course. Okay. So I'm almost done with the coffee then. Don't finish. Don't drink oh, all the no. coffee. <laughs> oh, it's gone. <laughs> well, if it's gone, it's gone. You can't make a cafe correcto. Technically, this. So I can get into the chicken. Yeah, go ahead and get said? into the chicken. So this Salerno is what's considered a triple sec. Now, triple sex are things we know of like Contro, Curacao. Those things are all triple sex. And what they are is they're distilled liqueurs from orange. Mm-hmm. So they use the orange peel, the dried orange peel, and those type of things to make, to make kind of their wort. And, and there's more chicken, by the way, if you want more. Okay. And you... You distill it and you get that orange flavor, but you get some of that. You have to have a lot of that sweetness in there because orange can be like orange peel and orange pith can be bitter. Mm-hmm. So when you when you make it, you have to add that sugar, and that's what gives it that sweetness when it's distilled to come out. Now it usually when it comes out, it's ninety eight percent alcohol. So it's ninety eight. Yeah, it's a high high ABV, and so. When they we do, we won't them. be drinking that cask drink, well, will we? No, Ooh. no, I don't think anybody would want to. Uh, but they cut it down with sugar and water, and that kind of what gives it gives it that flavor. Now, what makes this different from your Grand Marnier? It is distilled by itself. It's not mm-hmm. added to or distilled with mm-hmm. something else. Mm-hmm. But I just love this because you know they use. They use the blood oranges from like the original places that blood orange came from. Blood like blood oranges originally came from Sicily mm. because of that volcanic soil, and that's actually the legend around it was that the red was the blood from all the people who died Ooh. in one of Mount Etna's big explosions, and so that's kind of where they they get the legend of where it comes from. But it's it's actually that good volcanic soil. That gives it that extra flavor. And they're beautiful oranges if you can ever find them. They can be anywhere from orange with some red in it to just dark purple, dark purple uh, flesh. And so I, re- I really, really love blood orange if you can't tell. I, you, Are I they actually, still in season here? No. They're it's actually a very short a, season, isn't it? And it's a winter. Mm-hmm. It's a winter season. Most of the time, blood oranges come in late fall. Yeah, okay. So they have they're they're one of those um, winter citrus that comes out. So uh, go ahead, I'm going to okay, get into the that, fried chicken, and you. Well, that fried chicken has some heat to it. Now you just took a bite, but when you're ready to talk again, remind me where it came from. And is it a? It's not really a kung pao heat, but there's some heat on it. I'm surprised you picked it. It's a I what? picked it, yeah, because of the spice. I know, I know, but so this what, is is it is it um, Serrano or so some I don't, kind of pepper or something? I don't know. Yeah, but this is from Gus's world famous fried chicken out of Memphis. Hmm. So they do a hot kind of a a hot fried chicken. It's not like Nashville hot chicken, no, which is something completely different, and I would never order because I won't eat it. Because well, it's just too hot. It's too spicy for me. But this, you know, they have the cayenne or whatever, chili powder, whatever, whatever it is. They don't really say in the breading, right? But they don't. Then they don't soak it in sauce or. So, 
I've got that hot going on in my mouth. And then I take some of the blood orange liqueur and it doesn't really calm it down that much. It makes it sweet hot. Right. Syrupy sweet hot. But it's still hot. It didn't it didn't take the hot away. Yeah, it kind of changes it changes how it's presented. Like you said, you get that sweet, but you still get I think that orange kind of goes really well. I'm tearing up on this one. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> That's not normal for me, right? I know, and I'm and I'm not. <laughs> like, <laughs> but no, this is really good fried chicken, and I I lo- I wanted that like fat, that like deep fat fried mm-hmm. kind of thing to kind of start cutting through the sweetness, and that's why I think this is one of those things that's not really consumed by itself. So where did you find it here in Little Rock? Gus's famous fried chicken down in the River Market. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm they not have, familiar with that one. Where it is. It's kind of across the street from Flying Saucer. Oh, okay. You know, you've got the furniture store across the right, street. Right, Then one, oh, one yeah. place east. Okay. Oh, or yeah. west. One place west. Okay. Is Gus's famous fried chicken. So, but that, fa- I want to kind of, I thought like the fat and the heat would go, would kind of contrast that extra sweetness mm-hmm. that's coming from this. Definitely a contrast. This is a hard pairing in my opinion. Hard, something hard to pair with because it's so it's so flavorful and it's so sweet. Now I'm still getting that orange coming through. Oh yeah, that orange is still coming through and it plays well with the chicken and the heat. And I don't know my peppers very well, but you know when people talk about you know, you know there's the fruity spicy mm-hmm. peppers, not and then there's just the spicy spicy peppers. Go ahead, crunch through. <laughs> Yeah, that's good fried chicken when you got to move away from the microphone because it's so crunchy. But I I thought it would kind of bring that, it would bring the sweetness down a little bit. My worry was the alcohol level. Mm -hmm. Because heat and alcohol, heat will sometimes accentuate alcohol. But I think it doesn't in this case. I think there's so much sweetness. That may be what's happening to me, Josh. That might be. (laughs) But when I get it, I don't get an extra like, it doesn't seem extra alcoholic. Like mm-hmm. it seems the sweetness dies down, mm-hmm. and you get the fruitiness mm-hmm. of those blood oranges that comes in and still goes with the with that heat that's sitting there. And so that's why it kind of when people say a fruity, spicy pepper, that's kind of where I'm thinking. Even though I've never had one, man, I had. <laughs> I had hot peppers last night, and this this chicken's about as hot as that hot pepper was. What would you have? Well, I made um, bacon wrap pepper with the cheese in the middle. Mm. So bacon, they were they were just pa- they were poblanos, but they were aged in the refrigerator poblanos, uh, so okay. they get hotter as they're aging there in the kitchen because or in the refrigerator because of the of the seeds being in there. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure if I just picked them, they wouldn't have been that hot. Right. But this is hotter, or it tends to be. But this, uh, so I'm going to struggle with best on plate, Josh. Well, we're not done yet. I know. <laughs> but still technically two I got to keep thinking about it. Yeah. I'm going to get a cracker to kind of clear out my mouth. But no, that's sweetness. So second time around. Ooh. Oh, my gosh. Here's what happened. So I got hotness in my mouth from the chicken. I take a swig of the blood orange liqueur. It calms it way down. And then it's like explodes in my mouth. What explodes? Suddenly I get, okay, so I had heat. Let's say the heat was at level five. Okay. Here's an engineer talking for you, okay? (laughs) You got to have numbers involved. So level five heatness in my mouth. I take the liqueur, orange liqueur, take a sip of it, calms down to about a three, and then boom, back up to seven. Oh, so so I think it was the alcohol that's getting me. Mm. Okay. That's the only explanation I've got. But yeah. The other thing that what what may be presenting differently between the two of us is, you know, you had a wing, you had a wing section, and I've got... A leg which has more meat on it, maybe. So maybe that that meat is not that meat is helping it calming down the spice level. 
Wow, that's an interesting pairing, Josh. <laughs> yeah. But I think that that explosion, I think that's the alcohol. I think it I think is. That's the me. alcohol coming mm-hmm. through and it's presenting like it's actual like spice level, but it's that it's that heat of the alcohol. Uh-huh. I think so. That's what happened. Well, let's move to the final pairing and calm it or the final major pairing and calm it down again with the yeah. chocolate creme brulee. All right. So chocolate creme brulee. You're going to hear some like cracking, but that's just me cracking the creme brulee. So this is, this is kind of one of those, yes, it's going to be sweet, but the big thing here is the chocolate, the chocolate and the orange, because, you know, chocolate and orange are match made in heaven. Unless it was chocolate strawberries. Just because that goes to heaven too, doesn't mean chocolate and orange, does it? (laughs) It's a good cream of life. Your recipe, right? Jordan made it. Okay, your recipe. <laughs> Not my recipe. <laughs> I didn't have anything to do with it except torching the top. He's torching the top and he goes, Dad, you got any propane? I did not say <laughs> propane. <laughs> butane. Well, yeah, that's right. You said butane. Not putting, not, and all I got is those big old monster propane tanks. <laughs> yeah, I'm not using a propane blowtorch to try and cremule. <laughs> that would you know, burn down the house. And you can't, can't this is very, this is a very good pairing, Josh. It's really good, but to me, it's a little too sweet. Well, it is a sweet on sweet. The sweet on sweet is a little bit much. As we both take another bite. Well, I'm not <laughs> saying I'm not going to eat the creme brulee. Right. So is this a, a Jordan family recipe or? No, it's from the internet. Okay. I mean, creme brulee, we've talked about this before. Creme brulee is so easy. Oh, yeah. You know, you heat the cream. You melt the chocolate, you add in the vanilla, and then you take it off the heat and you add in the sugar and the eggs. Right. Make sure those don't curdle. Put it in the thing. Cook it in the oven. In the water bath. Mm-hmm. In the water bath for, you know, 40 minutes. Let it set. Torch the top. That's yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, it's super simple. And people are always impressed by creme brulee. Well, I think most people think it's really hard to do. Right. Now, the one I did versus the one you just did, or Jordan just did, you know, you can curdle those eggs. Uh-huh. And that is, what well, that's the probably the hardest thing to do is to not curdle the eggs. Make sure you're, you're mixing it in slow enough. The other trick is to temper the eggs. That's true. So you take that's, a little bit of that liquid. Yeah. Add it into your eggs to warm up your eggs a little bit. Mm-hmm. Before putting it all in the in the hot mixture, right? So uh, talking about this pairing, you know, it's sweet on sweet, which gets a little much, but also the chocolate and orange is fantastic. It is. I think it's it's dynamite. It is. Mm-hmm. Now, if this had like some club soda in it, or you know, maybe even well, not really on ice, but. Just to where it's diluted some more, mm-hmm. I think it may be better because you wouldn't have that cloying sweetness mm-hmm. going at everything. All right. So I think that Samuel Smith strawberry beer you did last night, or last time, not night, would go well with this. Yeah. Because it'd be sweet on sweet. But it wouldn't be as sweet. No, it wasn't as sweet, but it, yeah. So, for the listener's sake, I mean, there's pairings out there. You know, we may pair something with the creme brulee or the or with the orange liqueur. It doesn't mean it's the only thing you can do. Well, I mean, just look how many times we've go we used goat cheese so far. Well, <laughs> it just proves that you know things will go with other things. Well, and when when you and Seth were talking about it, you had the goat cheese, and he says, "Well, I don't." normally do the goat cheese right <laughs> so he had a brie yeah and it worked yeah yeah so what are we doing now josh all right so the last thing we're gonna do is we're gonna make we've gone to the well we're gonna make what's called a a cafe correcto which is if you translate it's you know corrected coffee mm-hmm. and so what it is is it's the espresso with alcohol mm-hmm. in it so, use what you've got left in your glass and then pour it into the espresso. 
Actually, how much espresso do you have left? It'll be almost half and half. Okay, pour about a half of that in there. That's good. So what it is is it's, you know, it's espresso with an alcohol. A lot of times they'll just use grappa or mm-hmm. something kind of more local. With this, I thought it would be interesting to see how it blended with the espresso mm-hmm. to kind of to just have that orangey kind of flavor. So is this an official pairing or is this? I said, this is part two of pairing one. Okay. So pairing one was kind of it. Right. It was okay. That's a, in two that's a good clarification. So, um, just now I just taste the coffee with the liqueur we put in it. I don't add more. No, no, we just kind of, that's the, that's the thing is, you know, the, either you add the, you add the liquor into the espresso as the, and now it becomes a drink by itself. It's a good drink. So I don't know that it did much different than I had before. I had the coffee in in the cup and the liqueur in the Glencairn. Pour pour a little bit more in there. So I mean you might as well. <laughs> because I can't remember if it's like a so, you know, a shot of espresso is two ounces and a shot of alcohol is two ounces or an ounce and a half. An actual shot is an ounce and a half. So you kind of want to... Or if Marie does it, it's toward two. Right. (laughs) (laughs) If you're listening, Marie. Yeah. So you kind of want those, the same kind of proportions. Now I get a lot, like, I think this tastes better than just doing them separate because they're all kind of cohesive and... Oh, it is better. You get that, like, that's why I think you just didn't... The proportions weren't right. Well, so what you're saying is it should be half and half, half coffee and half liqueur. No, I think it's, you know, two to one, two to one and a half. Two coffee. Two coffee to one and a half booze. No, an engineer just ran it up to two and two. Well, (laughs) (laughs) okay, 50-50, but technically, I thought I was, I thought I was talking to an engineer. I was trying to be real technical about it. Well, you were. So, but I I think this, this tastes really good, especially if it was hot. I think it, Yeah. If it was, we know, may have to try this later with hot coffee, but it's got to be espresso. I don't yeah. know if it would work with like drip coffee or pour over exactly because espresso has that like special bitter creaminess that you don't get in other coffees. So next time you go to Starbucks, <laughs> <laughs> no, take, take. no, we are not saying that you should you should add it in in Starbucks and drink. I didn't it say your, inside in Starbucks. I said get your Starbucks coffee. Let me clarify. Make go sure to you're Starbucks. <laughs> get your espresso. Go outside. Yeah. Or go to your... This is from... Like I said, this is from a local coffee shop here in town that roasts, roasts their own, roasts their own Much stuff. Much better than Starbucks. Right. So that you're gonna, you want good quality espresso and then you know the liqueur into it. And this is something that you could do with any liqueur, I think. I think that's so. That's got a good flavor to it. I know the Grand Marnier would work as well. I'm sure it would. Now, what is... Oh, it's said Mexican coffee. So Mexican coffee is when you add chili. Hmm? You add what? Chili. Yeah. Chili powder. Yeah. Or Mayan. Ca- oh, no, cayenne. Sorry, not chili powder. Cayenne. Cayenne. Right. Right. And then Irish coffee. It's when you add Jameson and Bailey's. That's right. <laughs> That's a good pairing. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to have to continue to think about best known plates. Yeah. Well, anything else you want to ask me or are curious about? You it? always have that in your house, right? Yes. Yeah, so this is my triple sec. Like okay. This is my control, my Grand Marnier. Right. That's what I use for orange liqueur in my house at mm-hmm. all times. Because mm-hmm. it's about the same price as control, and it's cheaper than Grand Marnier. And I think it tastes better than control okay. or Grand Gala or anything okay. like that. Okay. Yeah, it's good. I'll have to. It's relatively easy to find. I think it was, I think it was like thirty-two dollars for a seven fifty. Yeah, yeah, for a seven fifty. Well, okay. So it's not it's not terribly expensive. It tastes great. Why not? See, I don't know what the Grand Marnier is for a seven fifty. It's probably it's like forty-five dollars. I was gonna say that because sometimes you get the one point seven five for eighty, but that. 
that was the last time I bought it. Now I bet we've had this discussion on before. Everything's going up. I bet it's ninety by now. Yeah. So just looking it up real quick, in like one of our local stores, you know the the three seven five, which is a half of a bottle, is twenty seven dollars. Oh, okay. Which is basically the price of, you know, almost the price of that. Of Grand Marnier, you're saying? Of the three seven five of Grand Marnier. Yeah, it's twenty seven dollars, oh, okay. and the the seven fifty of Salerno was like thirty two. Oh, okay. Yeah, big difference. Awesome. All right. Well, if there's not anything else, I think we are ready to move over. All right. Switch over to the Grand Marnier. So, Dad, remind us what your pairings are. So, I have a Grand Marnier, and with the Grand Marnier, I'm pairing this. Chicken apple pate with, and I've got some crackers to go with it, and a French onion soup, and a cranberry orange walnut muffin. Mm, Sounds good. Now, I wanted to do escargot, and I was telling Josh this story. I found them. I found a can of escargot, but it was four dozen in the cans of the snails. Well, to do the correct presentation, you got to have the shells to go with it. So, they had shells in a a little canister kind of thing, and it was another $20. So, that would have been $40 plus tax for four dozen. That's really not a bad price, okay? So, if you're going to have a party and you're going to do them, the escargot? Yeah. Go for it. But with Josh and I eating one or two or three each, max. Right. It's just not worth the money. So, uh, and last time we were in St. Martin, a, rain, a big rainstorm came up. And the rainstorm quit. And if you know me, you know I'm a big walker and I walk around a lot kind of get my steps off of my Fitbit. So I'm walking along. Boom, there's there's Mr. Escargot right there in a the shell. <laughs> he's he's moving right along as fast as they can. Ooh, there's another one. Ready, Ooh, there's another one. Getting ready for dinner. <laughs> I should have just picked them up and we'd have had three. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure mom would have been happy about that. <laughs> she, well, the story is uh, when we went, first time we went to St. Martin, Josh, and listeners, I don't remember if it was 1978 or 79. We got married in 77, so I think it was 78. First, we found a restaurant called La Escargot. It's down on Front Street. We didn't have a whole lot of money, and we went in there. Joanne, look, they got Escargot. She goes, yeah. Neither one of us had ever had it. But we had it that day, and it's not something you kind of get hooked on, but it's a French thing, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it would have gone well with this Grand Marnier. I know it would have. So, the color, Josh? So, this this is like a golden, this is like a golden orange. Like, it's, it's, to me, it's not gold. It's, it's more orange, and it's not burnt orange of texas or the orange of tennessee it's just a i'll just call it like golden orange and you know it's clear you can see you know there's nothing nothing blocking it no haziness you can definitely see right through it you know this is another one that's got you know some you know big fat big fat legs on it what is this 40 yes yeah 40 abv and when you smell it it's interesting because it doesn't quite smell like orange it smells of like cooked or charred orange mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. What do you smell on it? Oh, that's the same thing. You don't. Now, the clear that you had, that you had perfectly crystal clear, has so much more orange smell than this does. Yeah. 
now I'm sure they've, I haven't looked at the notes. I'm sure they put it in oak barrels or something to get the color. Well, it's the cognac. But, and it, exactly. It's the cognac. But yeah, you don't, but I get more alcohol smell with the Grand Marnier okay. than I did with yours. Okay. What about? Yeah, it's a little bit more floral. Um, this smells a little bit more like orange blossoms and, you know, kind of that charred, that charred orange over just straight, you know, orange oil, orange juice, like the Salerno was. So, Louis Alexander Marnier, Lippenstone, had the eccentric idea to create something avant grant, a grand liqueur, and he was actually the, the inventor of the Grand Marnier. He started it, they started this back in the um, 1800s. Yeah, 1827. Oh, is it on the bottle? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Maison Fondé in 1827. But this is a, like you said, this is kind of a nod to colonial France because, you know, you talk about, I mean, you talk about how, you know, you're St. Martin. You go to St. Martin a lot. It's French part of the island. Yeah, it's a French and Dutch island. Right. Half and half. Well, and so they would get these, they would probably get the oranges from some of their colonies because, I mean, you can't, I don't think they grow oranges in France. No, I, I read, and I'm not looking at it right now, but they got the oranges from the Caribbean. Yeah, so it would be something that they brought back and to make a, a special grand liqueur. They use, I'm sure, the guys from, well, he's from Cognac because it's where, that's where uh, Grand Marnier is, is made from, is, the, is from Cognac. Yeah, here it is. Uh, they get the bitter orange from the Caribbean, and it was the beginning of Grand Marnier. So it's a unique bl- blend of the, of the French Cognac and the Caribbean orange. So for our, we talked about the pairing, so go ahead and try the apple pate. So it's apple and chicken, right? Apple and chicken pate. It's kind of funky looking, but... uh, Oh man, it's a loaf. It's a loaf. It's got good flavor. Tell me what you think about it with the the pairing. Well, it's good. It brings up a little bit more, and maybe the salt of the chip, or the cracker, um, brings up a little bit more of the, the sweetness. Yeah, of the of the Grand Marnier and more of the orange. Yeah, as well. It's sweet it sweetens it. So it takes that like they talk about bitter orange. We've talked about char- I talked about charred orange or that like orange blossom and it brings it into more of like a fresh yeah, like a fresh orange. Yeah. So in 1880, Louis Alexander Marnier whatever Lippenstone, he met a guy named Caesar Ritz. <laughs> Does that sound familiar? Yep. The Ritz Hotels. He probably also met Escoffier. He probably did, yeah. Or he knew of Escoffier. He at least knew of Escoffier. So they created the recipe, and then he named it. So that's that's cool. Yeah, so there's a great book. If anybody is, like, really interested in, like, how the like high-end hotel and food culture got started. There's a great book called Ritz and Escoffier. Fun. It's a very interesting read, and it's about how this hotel manager, I think it's Carlton Ritz. I think it's I think Carlton is his first name. No, it's not. Anyway, his first name is Ritz, or his last name is Ritz. Not this same Caesar Caesar Ritz. Caesar Ritz, yeah, same guy. Okay, same guy. So he, he was a big hotelier, but he was a manager. He didn't really own any hotels. He had like kind of money in him, but he had this chef, Escoffier, and they created some of the, some of the best high end food and hotels experience in the world. And for those of you culinary people, the name Escoffier means something. Escoffier was the first chef to he was the one who wrote down the mother sauces. 
Okay. This is the five mothers. The five mothers office is what he is one of his claim to fames, and he to this day is known for high end French cooking. Like there are Escoffier cooking schools all over the United States. I actually have a colleague. Her son is graduating from high school, and then he's going to the he's going to one of the Escoffier schools in in Dallas. Okay. And then my friend Aaron. Yeah. He graduated from an Escoffier school in Denver. Okay. So they're they're really, really well known, but it's super high end French French cooking. Well back to the Grand Marnier. Eighteen ninety two is when they created the bottle shape and this wax emblem that's on it. I never I never have really looked that close to the emblem. Have you, Josh? I'm looking at it now. Monier La Postale. Yeah. La Postale. La Postale. What does it mean? Well, I don't know. I didn't (laughs) see that in here either. (laughs) Well, it's almost like they marked it so it couldn't be faked. I think that's probably it. Because it's kind of like, it reminds me of like the wax seals that you would have on letters for, that's right. um, you know, authentication purposes. That this came from the king or the queen or the whoever. Right. Well, let's see. You want to move on to, you've had some of the pate. Well, right? so I think the pate, that's a good pate. I know it looks funny because it just came out yeah, as a big just fat loaf. Exactly. <laughs> but it's it's good. It's got good flavor into it the crackers work well with it and brings out like you said like i said that orangey that orange flavor sweetened it up a little bit from the big fattiness of that pate and i'm excited about this french onion soup (laughs) i really really like french onion soup did you make this from scratch i did make it from scratch i hope it turned out so while you're chewing into that in 1927 which was the grand century for grand marnier they created, and I see, a, I see bottles on this page that artists had created all these different uh, Art Nouveau style bottles. And there's like 10, 12 different bottles on this page to look at. It's, it's just fantastic. Yeah. And no telling what those things are worth today. <laughs> yeah, Grand Marnier has always been kind of one of, it's, it has been known as kind of a very artistic, very kind of avant-garde, move forward-thinking kind of liquor company, especially coming from cognac. You know, because cognac steeped in tradition, and then this guy said, "Nope, we're gonna put oranges in it." <laughs> right. So in the 1980s, they created the Grand Marnier cocktail, margarita. Now, if you remember, the margarita that I make has Grand Marnier in it. And most top shelf margaritas use Grand Marnier. Right. When you're in a restaurant. You know, I don't know. You know, you walk in someplace and say, I want a top shelf margarita. I don't know if you always get it or not. Most of the times you do, because that's one of the things that makes it a top shelf, is they move up the... The triple sec or the orange liqueur that's in it. Right. It goes well with this, with the onions and the big full flavor. Now, when you cook this, does your recipe call for cognac? No. Okay. It called for red wine. Oh, okay. That's, that's the really deep, really, really deep, rich flavor that's in there. And the beef stock. Yeah. And it goes really well with this. It kind of, the Grand Marnier adds a brightness to this really big, heavy, big, heavy dish. Mm-hmm. I think it's really good. That's a good pairing, isn't it? Uh-huh. Now, one thing I didn't know, you know, we always go to the store and we get the Grand Marnier. Well, hold on. Okay. First of all, you need to tell everybody how you buy Grand Marnier. Because you don't buy it from a liquor store. Hmm? No, you don't. Where do you buy your Grand Marnier from? I, I'm at a the local- duty-free store. 
Well, you guys always buy your grandma. No, the, well, I don't always, but ninety yeah. percent of the time when you come if, back, okay. If you need Grand Marnier, you're buying it from the. So duty I freezer. told that story, and Josh remembered it. And that <laughs> we had this. I think I said three liter, and I'm thinking I'm doing the math on that. I don't, man, that'd been huge. I think it was a two liter bottle. Yeah, but it was see, bigger than the one the one seven five. Joanne and I don't travel like we used to. We used to travel with bigger suitcases than we have now. And once a month. Well, not necessarily <laughs> once a month to a place where we're duty-free in, but... True. Yeah. But my point was, gonna be, is that you look at the Grand Marnier that we find in our liquor stores. It's the red bottle with the red wax, the red cap. And so it's it's cordon rouge, and it's gonna be like forty percent of the cognac, no forty percent ABV, fifty one percent cognac, and forty nine percent orange liqueur. Okay, and they talk about drinking it straight like we are. Yeah, but of course it's the mixer, and then they have the Louis Alexander, which is a blue cap, a blue bottle, or a blue uh, seal, wax seal. It's again the 40, but it's 82% cognac. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking higher dollar. Right. Has to be. Yes. Quite a, quite a bit more. Now let's move up again, Josh. They have Louis the 13th. Uh, we're getting there. Not Kubi, quite there yet. Uh, yeah, Cuvée de Centrale is like the hundred-year anniversary corn, or cognac and liqueur. It's eighty-two percent. Okay, we moved up one percent of cognac. Right. But I'm sure we moved up a lot more than one dollar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure, it's probably ten percent more, or twenty-five percent more. Then we got the Cuvée eighteen eighty. I don't know what one of those. And this bottle is beautiful. It's got gold on it. It's got a a gold wax seal. And it's got to be much, much higher price because it's 91% cognac. Yeah. And then what did you say was? Well, I couldn't remember if they do one that has Louis the 16th or Louis the 15th cognac in it. I don't see that here. The the next one or the last one is the Cuvée Quin, Quintessential, and it its bottle's distinctively different. It's right. like a silver top. It's not a cap, mm-hmm. and it's got to it's got to be I don't know how many hundred dollars. Yeah, and it's it's not any higher in in the cognac level, but it's like XO cognac. Yeah, so the the cognac level is more the the grade of the cognac that goes in it is a lot more. Well, I've been talking a lot and you've had part of the muffin. Yeah, so the muffin's good. I haven't actually had it. So the cuvee in in our local store, in one of our local stores, the cuvee Grand Marnier or the uh cuvee de Centrale is two hundred dollars. The Grand Marnier Cuvée 1880 is $340. Oh, man. And the the Cuvée Louis Alexandre is $80 for a 750. And the regular Grand Marnier is $43 for a 750. Mm-hmm. Now, so when you... Now, that's what I need to be buying in St. Martin. Well, you need to look at it. So, what is it? Co- so, you usually come back with a a Magnum, so a one seven five, and it around here that's going to cost you eighty dollars. What is it running in duty free? Because it's a bit cheaper, isn't it? It's a bit cheaper. It's uh, sixty. That's so, quite a bit cheaper. Well, I mean, but when you put that in your backpack and it's on your back, <laughs> that's, that's why you check the bag. Oh yeah, well, check the bag. Yeah. I mean, if it's I mean, if it's 60, you know, that's almost, I mean, the price of a liter 
here is fifty four dollars because mm-hmm. they sell it by the liter as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, that's a that's a pretty good pretty good price break from that's twenty bucks. Yeah, it's over. You know, it's about fifteen percent cheaper. So, what do you think? Have you tried the muffin? I have. Um, it's good. You know, the muffin is it's got a, like you said, it's got cranberry and walnut, right? And orange, orange. And so that orange is played on it, but with something like this, I'm feeling more the alcohol. Oh, really? More the cognac than the orange. You get more orange out of the Grand Marnier with it? No, I'm getting more cognac. Oh, out of the Grand Marnier. Yes. With the muffin than I am with anything else. That's really good. So what I'm hearing is you're going to have to check your liquor cabinet to, to see what type of bag to pack <laughs> when you travel, not not how long you're going to be gone. Exactly. Because duty-free is, like, if you can fly duty, if you can get duty-free, it's usually a good bit cheaper, especially especially for us here in Arkansas with the way our taxes and Well, the rum I everything brought, brought back that was duty-free, I paid $35 duty-free. And at Colonial, it was like forty-two. So that's yeah. not a whole lot of difference. Well, that's really. for well, but also that's before tax. Well, that's true. So after tax, and there was no tax on the duty free. After tax, you're looking about fifty. Mm, forty-two would be about forty-five, forty. No, it's not ten percent. Oh, it's uh, more it's than like that. twenty. Right. It's like twenty-five percent. You're right. Yeah. So yeah, if you so for those of you that don't live in Arkansas or don't have family or have heard about Arkansas, Arkansas has really really big taxes on their alcohol, especially liquor. Like there are three different no, they have there are two different levels of taxes when it comes to alcohol. There's like beer and wine tax, and then there's liquor tax. And beer and wine tax is like fifteen percent, and oh, I yeah. think like liquor tax is twenty or twenty five percent. So it's just like. We, the prices we may throw out are maybe similar, but our taxes are just ridiculous. That's right. And I, I, I'm, I'm happy for taxes because they pay my salary. <laughs> As a teacher. As a teacher, they pay, they pay for my salary. They pay for my roads to be fixed, and I'm, I'm cool with that. But man, sometimes it's like, can we just make it evil? Can it, can it just be the same as food tax? Right. <laughs> like, I know, I, like, I know, I know alcohol you know, can be used in excess, but can it just be the same 10%? Like, right. Like everything else. Or, oh, no, it's, I think it's up to 11, 11% now in Lubbock. Yeah. yeah. So go up I'm again. looking at the, I'm looking at the cocktail page and it's like, you can make any cocktail you want to with Grand Marnier. Oh yeah. So both of these, any, any place that you would have orange liqueur or you want an orange flavor, you can use either one of these. I think it's really interesting now having these side by side because I've had them before individually. But having them side by side and thinking through cocktails, I would use them I would use them very differently. Because this is more that like sour like that sour char orangey flavor, mm-hmm. which is going to go really well with certain things where this, you know, the Salerno is bright, it's sailing, it's going to come through almost anything. So I would use them very differently. Now, let's think about this. You like a rusty nail. Think about adding, taking down the the Drambuie a little bit and adding back that same amount of Salerno mm. into it to give you that. Let me bright. go get my glass. We'll, <laughs> we'll be right back with <laughs> Maybe that'll be his next cocktail, his next cocktail pick. But adding that like or that high orange sailing note mm-hmm. that would come through with the heather and the honey. Mm-hmm. In the in the scotch, so put the drambuie in, but a smaller amount. Is that what you're saying? Right. And that, so normal and layer in the Salerno on top of it. So what are your? Tell me your proportions for your rusty nail. Well, it's like one of scotch and a half of drambuie. So if you did like, what I'm saying is, if you did one of scotch, a quarter of drambuie, a quarter of Salerno. Well, okay. So whatever you take out of the Drambuie, you just add that back in your parts oh, okay. with Salerno. Gotcha. That'd be interesting. But it wouldn't work with Grand Marnier no. because it's a different type of orange. That's right. Which would probably, in my opinion, I think it would fight with the heather. I think it would. The heather honey. Well, what about an old-fashioned? Oh. They show up. 
They now, sure use a Grand Marnier, old fashioned, but they still got the bourbon. Yeah, because you need that extra oomph. Uh huh. Yeah. I could I could see adding adding that in to a whiskey based cocktail, or even you know, kind of a Manhattan style, pulling down the sweet liqueur, uh, the sweet vermouth, a little bit, and adding whatever whatever I pull back in. Right. In Grand Marnier. Right. Because it's more of a it's got more of that rounded, rounded yeah, side right. to it, which is why I say, you know, I would use these very differently, and it's going to give you a different feeling. That's why when you and I do margaritas together, and I'm using the Salerno, and you're using Grand Marnier, they taste drastically different. Oh, yeah. And it's not just that I use blood orange juice and lime juice, and you use some lime juice and some sweet and sour mix. Right. It's actually... And I don't know if a sidecar would even work with Grand Marnier instead of the Salerno. It would. But it'd be... Di- it'd it, be would be very, it would be very different. Right. It would yeah. be... It wouldn't... So a sidecar comes out to be really hot. Like, I keep talking about this in like music terms, but like high-pitched. Mm-hmm. Like clear, crisp, clean. The Grand Marnier would add a, add a depth to it that's not particular to that cocktail. Yeah, not needed. Not needed at all. Yeah, maybe not needed, or it would just change the com- it would change the style of a cocktail. Now, a place where I could see both of these being really good is a Cosmo, because oh, okay. a Cosmo causes for, calls for triple sec. I don't drink Cosmos. But... Well, uh, yeah, you and I don't. Dave, Dave does. Okay, Dave. and other and other listeners may drink Cosmos, but you know they call it calls for triple sec in it. But I think if you added Grand Marnier or Salerno. It would kind of it would change the complexity of the cocktail. Mm-hmm. Honestly, anywhere that you would, where you would traditionally have triple sec or orange liqueur, you could use either one of these, and it would come out really well. Yeah, these are great, great liqueurs. I mean, yeah, I really want to try like a Salerno with just some like club soda, mm-hmm. club soda, or like a Lacroix. Or something that would mm-hmm. just give it that bubbly effervescence and mm-hmm. thin it out, mm-hmm. really. But like yeah. you were saying, they're, these are both really, really good. Yeah, really good. Well, best what are you thinking plate? about best on plate? I think for yours, it's the French onion soup. I knew it. I knew it. Uh, the French onion soup. And then for me, I actually really like the chicken. You know, I'm going to have to go with you on... My best on plate. The pate was really good. Yeah. And it had a good play with with the liqueur, with the Grand Marnier. It did better than I thought it was. Because I was a little nervous about the chicken and apple. But the French onion soup. And that's where French onion soup came from, is France. Yep. And we really don't realize that. We make it over here and we make it the way we make it. But they were the first ones to come up with it. Yeah, and so with speaking about the pate, I think the pate would have been better if it was like if it was a duck pate. Yeah. Or if it would have been like foie gras. I was thinking you were gonna show up with duck all orange. You had that duck it, a couple weeks ago yeah. or three weeks ago, whenever it was. Right. Is it already gone? Oh yeah, the duck the duck got destroyed. <laughs> we, we took we took care of the duck. Don't you worry. I think. Well, it I was looking. Sweet. I was looking at at Fresh Market for duck, and they they didn't. I actually looked. I looked yesterday. No, they didn't. No, have they it. didn't have it. Uh. Uh-uh. Nope. And then that's when I was going around looking. I think I'm going to do the escargot. This is a sad story. The restaurant where I said earlier that we ate the snails the first time, La escargot. It's probably closed forever. Oh, no. Yeah. Two sad things happened. The hurricane, of course, happened. Yeah. And then the second thing happened is COVID. Third thing happened is uh, Joel, who with Sonia were the owners, he fell off a ladder and died. Oh, my goodness. So that restaurant's gone. It'll, it'll It'll never be the same. So what what I'm hearing is that we need to start a GoFundMe and we're gonna resurrect less cargo. Yeah. In Grand Marnier, in Saint Mar- not Grand Marnier, in 
in St. Martin. Well, once the cruise ships start again, see, that's been the devastation of St. Martin. Right. They depend on cruise ships so much. There would be five or six a day. Wow. Some days. So, best on plate for yours? Yeah. I think the chocolate creme brulee, because the play of the creme brulee and the Salerno, they just they just put together so well. Yeah. I mean, it was like I had oranges on top of the creme brulee. Right. I mean, I'll tell you this: the the cafe chicken was good though, <laughs> and that and the cafe correcto was good. Uh-huh. The espresso with that was was really good. We had some good pairings tonight, Joe. Yeah, more of the you know it was a it was a good one. So, well, I guess it's uh it's time for the blind, isn't it? Yeah, let's have a blind. righty. All right, so I'm using the Wine Education Spirits Trust Systematic Approach to Tasting Spirits Level 3 Tasting Sheet. And here we go. All right, so this is, there. there's no haze uh, to this liquor. There's no faults. You can see right through it. The color of it is, I'd say, a medium. Yeah, kind of a, a medium of gold, a little bit of amber, kind of some reddish yellow in there i'd say uh there's no real no real other observations of the look of it it's got some nice legs on it which is going to tell me a little bit it is clean it uh there's i wouldn't say there are any faults to this one the intensity of the aroma is uh medium plus kind of definitely jumps out at you there's definitely some some oak usage in this not too too much but there's definitely a little bit um, kind of getting a little bit of that agave, kind of some agave smell on it as well. Agave? Yes. Okay. Do you already know what it is? It's a little bit sweeter than I expected. So this is definitely, I'd say it's kind of medium in sweetness. The flavor intensity is medium to medium plus, I would say. No, not medium plus, just medium. It's kind of there. Um, the texture on this is, it's smooth, it's mouth covering, it's, it's definitely kind of viscous, doesn't feel like it's got a lot of alcohol in it, pretty short finish. I got a lot of alcohol in the nose, Josh. See, I didn't. You didn't? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Finishes on it, kind of medium, pretty simple. I think, I'm going to go ahead and take a guess at this. Ooh. I think this is a look this is a liqueur of some kind because of its pronounced sweetness and kind of some of those intensity. There is some like floweriness on it. Um I'm getting a lot of like that agave like tequila flavor, but the sweetness level makes me think it's not tequila. I think that this is that liqueur de tequila. Not the Damiana, the, the other one. I can't remember the what's that one called? That comes in the, the bottle, the green bottle that's like agave. Okay, I can't remember the name of it either, but we know what we're talking about. Right, so I think this is a liquor de, liquor de agave because of the pronounced levels of sweetness and it has that feeling of tequila without tasting like tequila. Right. So that's what I'm going to say it is, and we'll find out next week if I'm right or most likely if I'm wrong. No, don't say most likely. <laughs> Oh, you know, it's the You self, went through your notes? It's the self-deprecatingness of me. So, Dad, what are we going to be doing next week? I think we're doing Zins. Yeah, it's going to be a wine week, and we're going to be doing Zinfandel. So what are you going to do, Dad? I'm doing the Ridge 2017 Bagane Ranch Zinfandel. Oh, that's going to be good. It's from Sonoma. Yes, uh, Ridge is a really good group. And then I'm going to be doing the Casa Smith Primitivo. From Italy. From Italy? Yep. So it's Zinfandel coming from Italy called, it's Primitivo. So it's from the Casa Smith, Casa Smith group. I guess I don't think of Italy and Zins. Most people don't. Most people think of California. And that's kind of why I wanted to do a, a side-by-side next week. It's going to be. That'll be fun. It'll be lots of fun. All right. Yeah. So thank you guys again for joining us. It's been a, it's been a great, great episode. Remember to follow us on all your favorite podcast platforms. Reach out to us. Talk to us. We are at Acquired Tastings on Instagram, where we are most active. We are also on Facebook and Twitter. 
We're on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Give us a listen. Give us a like. Give us a follow if you can. Also, drop us a review. Let us know what you think, what you like, what you don't like. Yeah, really. We're still, we haven't even, hasn't even been a year yet. No, it hasn't. So we're still learning and we want to improve. Well, under COVID, it felt like five years. Yeah, it really (laughs) did. Really felt like five years, but we, we want to keep improving so we can put out a better show for you guys. And we just, we're very appreciative that you guys come, come to us and listen to us and, and have a great time. All right. Well, yeah. So another good one, Josh. Another great episode. So once again, I'm Josh Mills and I'm John Mills and we'll see you next time. Thank you and goodbye.